Hi, David. Hey, Kaz. What's up with you? Uh, not a lot today. Just <laughs> it's been cold, and um, so uh, the okay. Hokkaido has the heating system right. Okay, How'd you, you go into well, so the Hokkaido is known to be one of the coldest places in Japan, possibly the world. And uh, when you walk into a building, there are heaters everywhere. They're running along the floor, up in the ceiling. It works. It's wonderful. It's outside, it's cold. Inside, it's warm, you know? But here in Kyoto, um, I'm going into these buildings, and they've got a kerosene heater in the middle of the office. Hmm. And it just doesn't do enough. And I'm kind of wondering if Kyoto people just like to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Is that weird? Is no, that that's weird? not weird at all. But yeah, like in, in Hokkaido, we have those minus 20, minus 30 temperatures that necessitate every corner of every room having a, a blasting kerosene stove, you know, it just has to be done. It just has to be done. And so like every time I walk into the school, um, you know, all the teachers are standing around the kerosene heater. And then, you know, you go into the classroom and there's one kerosene heater in the middle of the classroom where they, all, you know, the desks are pushed away from it. But they turn it off in between classes to conserve kerosene, which is fine. But then because of this Corona thing, mm. uh, you got to open the open windows the window. and ventilate. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, all the heat that was once there is gone in an instant. But it's it's a it's a thing you have to do in Hokkaido as well at home. You know we have a kerosene stove in the in the middle of the room, and you really you have to ventilate every once in a while. So it's kind of counterintuitive. But I have to open my window and just let all that cold air flow right in. You know it's terrible, but it has to be done. It just has to be done. Yeah. But I will say, yeah, my my elementary school that I work in at the moment. It's a kind of a modern building which doesn't have blasted kerosene heaters. It's kind of eco-friendly with sort of open classrooms and I don't know how they designed it, but it's always at a very good temperature even in the winter. And um yeah, the ventilation's really top notch as well. No closed classrooms at all. I mean there's no door, you know, you can't close the classroom. It's just well designed that sort of the noise of the class doesn't really travel to the other classrooms. It's pretty good. Well, speaking of your uh, school, I mean, how have been your kids as of late? Pretty good. Uh, I'm, you know, enriching their lives. One slightly, mildly uh, offensive joke at a time, Kaz. What did you do? Well, um, I, I, I rocked up. Is that what they say? Is that what the young kids say these days? I no, no. no I've I, been saying I've been saying rucked up. R u c k e d. I'm not happy with it. Um, but so I went to class, and I was sporting, rocking, sporting. I was sporting uh, a KN95 mask. You know, um, for the first time, I usually wear the kind of the other brand of um, face masks. And the kids kind of pointed this out to me. It's like, oh, a new mask, Dave. What's what, what gives? And I said, oh, yeah, you guys are really smelly, so I have to have to wear a mask. Uh, and the teacher, uh, she she fell over laughing at that. But the kids kind of, I got the Japanese, she... Ah, uh, the stare, the yeah. no emotion behind the face sort of thing. Yeah, I like, I, they knew I was joking, but they just weren't in the mood for it or something. I don't know. Ah, uh, well, maybe sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah. 
you know, because it, it's hard to keep up to date with all the the modern popular Japanese culture, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, you're telling me there's so much out there that I just, I, I you know, I just can't even, you know, get my fingers into. I just don't understand it at all. And then let alone just pop culture in general. What to do, what to do. Uh, oh, um, you know what? Um, there's, there's somebody I think you might have on the other side of the line in my terrible segue that might know a little bit about uh, pop culture. Oh yeah, we have a guest today, Kaz. And who is that? It's Arisu. Aris, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure to finally have maybe a real celebrity on the podcast, if that's oh not my God, too not even, <laughs> <laughs> Not even a little bit, but thank you. No, but um, I recently saw you on NHK uh, speaking yeah. amazingly fluent Japanese. Uh, what were you doing thank there you. on TV? Um, so I've been in a TV agency for quite a long time. They just kind of throw jobs at me whenever there's something that I might be good at. So that program specifically, they like to use me as uh, the foreigner that is uh, very knowledgeable about idols. And it's like the fourth time I think I've been on that one program. But wow. yeah, so I was just there to talk about idols. Cool, cool. So yeah, um, that's kind of why we wanted to invite you onto the podcast. Um, I don't know if you know uh, from what you might learn from other other episodes, Alice, that uh, I myself am not terribly up to date with modern Japanese popular culture. So we're um, out of touch. <laughs> I think we've come to the right place. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, maybe your experience as an idol or how you came to Japan originally? Okay, so um, the first time I ever came to Japan, I was 16, and I was just here for a youth camp. So I wasn't really looking to do anything then. Then when I moved back, um, I say moved back, like when I moved here for the first time, I was 18. And I did actually want to go into the entertainment industry, like, immediately. So I told myself, like, I'll move to Japan, and I'll go to some auditions, I'll enter into an agency, but I'll do it, like, when I've lost, like, this amount of weight or when I've done this and I set myself all these goalposts and I ended up just not really doing anything for the first year that I was here and then when I um I moved back to the UK and then I moved um came back to Japan again afterwards and then I started working in performance not as an idol but I started working as a back dancer um I was dancing in loads of places around Tokyo I was doing music videos I was doing backup dancing for artists and then I started getting a lot more confident. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm good on stage. I, you know, I'm quite confident in my abilities. And I really, really wanted to do Idol because I loved Idols for 14 years mm. at this point. Like, I mean, I guess at that point it'd been like 10. So I was really into Idols and I really wanted to try it myself. So I started going to auditions for agencies and different groups and I had a terrible time. Uh, it really wasn't, um, wasn't a good experience. And I got so fed up with all these agencies that I decided to do everything myself. So I started up my own Idol group and went from there. Wow. So uh, am I right? Is the, the name of your Idol group Kuro Fune-chan? Yeah, that was the most recent one. Okay. So um, I'm moving out of the country. I'm leaving Japan. So originally, the first group I started up was called My Doremi, and it was me and two other girls. And then that group ended up getting quite a lot of, um, like a lot of people were watching us. So thanks to that, an agency decided that they wanted to sign us and produce us and re-debut us as a different group. 
And so we ended up signing with this agency and uh, they produced everything and they re-debuted us. And I was only in that group for about two months because I hated it. Mm. And I left that group on incredibly bad terms. So Uh I didn't really get any closure. So because I'm leaving the country, I got together a final group of all of the girls that I really wanted to try working together with. And we were called Kurofunechan, and that was just a one-time group for my final... Um, when an idol leaves the industry, or like leaves their group, we call it a graduation. Yeah. So yeah. for my final graduation live, that was Kurofunechan. Oh, let's go some of this. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, there's a lot there that really intrigues me. Um, it's no surprise to me, knowing a little bit about kind of corporate culture in Japan, that you didn't have a great experience with the big agency as opposed to yes, when you yeah. struck out on your own. Can you give mm-hmm. us a bit of detail about what were the problems there? So the main problems that I really encountered when I was auditioning be- to begin with is, um, I mean, in the entertainment industry, they want you to be able to fit into a little box so mm. they can produce you and sell you as kind of like a package. It makes it very, very easy for them to understand. So it's always been difficult for me to get um, different jobs, even when I was just doing TV, because if the casting call calls for a Caucasian female, they want mm. a Caucasian female. And I'm not Caucasian. I'm half white, but I don't. I'm obviously not fully white. So it's very difficult to get jobs like that. And then it also comes to the same thing with idols. Idols are supposed to be small and cute and, you know, adorable. And I'm tall and I'm foreign. And they have this idea that foreign girls, they can't be cute. They've got to be like beautiful or sexy or something like that. Mm. But um, sadly, uh, jokes on them. I'm cute and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they want you to fit into like a little box and it's easier to, you know, sell you if you know, you fit into that, but I don't. So that was the first problem I encountered. The second one, um, I mean, when you go to big agencies, they look at you and they think, well, the most important thing for us isn't what you want to do, but what we think you will make money doing. Mm. So if I went to an audition and I say, I want to be an idol, and they're like, hmm, uh, no, we think you'd be better as this, then you can't argue with that. And you can't, I couldn't even get angry about it. There was one instance where I was really, really upset because I got to um, literally the signing stage with a massive agency and they were like, you know what? We think that you would just be much better like doing this. And that was something that I absolutely didn't want to do. So I ended up turning them down. So I did get really frustrated, but you can't be angry because they're looking to make money and that's basically it. Mm. So those were the main problems. Um, I don't fit the image that they thought or they thought that I would be better in a different direction and I wasn't really agreeing. And then, so that was the problems that I had um, when I was looking for an agency to join. Then the agency that came to us and said, please join our agency. Um, Honestly, at this point, I'm really wondering if the whole thing was just a money laundering scheme because they put so much money into the production of the group, but like no effort. (laughs) Right. They were were thinking like the, it's going to sell itself sort of thing and just throwing money at it. I guess because they had a really popular group um, that disbanded maybe like a couple of months before they scouted us. Mm -hmm. So they must have known how to do it. Or like, I don't know if they got lucky or whatever, but like they put so much money into the group, like the costumes, the um, like the website that they made us. They made all of these like different like promotional posters and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But like minimum effort of -hmm. actually producing the group. It was insane how little effort because I was producing my group all by myself as a foreigner who isn't a native speaker with no connections. I did a much better job. And the group that I was producing and managing 
was re- we were going places. You could really see our progress. You could see how much um how much we'd like, how yeah. many new fans we got, and how many better places we were able. Like we were really taking off. And then we went into this agency that should have had everything. And maybe, yeah, it, just went it sounds down. like classic capitalism. You know, maybe they thought, well, here's a well-oiled machine that runs itself, so we'll just buy it and take the profit, sort of thing. Actually, that's a really good point because they still expected me to do everything, but like unsalaried. So, yeah, what is the what is the benefit of going with an agency? Um, So originally what I thought the benefit was going to be. So I was burning myself out because I was doing everything for this group because I was the leader, the producer and the manager. I was choreographing the dances. I was scheduling the members, which was incredibly difficult. I was doing all the business emails to um, like the events organizers and the live house staff and, you know, to make sure that we were actually working. I was doing all the promotion. I was uh, creating BGM music. I was making the tracks. I was writing the lyrics. I was doing everything. And I thought, if we go into an agency, then I can leave all of that to the agency and I can just concentrate on improving as a performer. And you could see how stressed I was on stage because, like, everything was my responsibility and I just wanted to concentrate on the performance itself. So that's what I thought the benefits was going to be. Also, the fact that the agency gives, uh, they pay for everything. So for people who don't know, uh, generally, when you're an underground idol, your main um, source of income is going to be sales. So there are these things called Taibang, and it's where lots of different uh, artists perform at one event. So you'll go to the event, there'll be maybe like five or ten different groups. And then right at the end, uh, there'll be Bukbang, which is where the girls, they all go into like the hall and they sell uh, checky, which are Polaroids, and they decorate them. Or there'll be like t-shirts or wristbands, you know, like basically merchandise yeah, selling. Merchandise, yeah. And the proceeds from that were the only form of income that we had and that went straight back into the group so paying for dance studios for us to practice and paying for people to uh, make songs for us paying for costumes and stuff like that so if you go into an agency they cover all of that so you don't really have to worry about it so that was a very 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 big worry because um we got a new member and we had to like find a costume for her (laughs) like costumes cost money yeah yeah that's interesting yeah i um i know this will probably be totally alien to you alice but hearing you talk about you know you guys are the product sort of thing um it's reminding me a little bit like myself and kaz work in the alt industry as it were and Mm. we're kind of farmed out to various uh boards of education you know i I feel a bit like a product sometimes but obviously orders of magnitude less in, in our cases um but let me ask you there's so many aspects of idol there the performance the the fan meets the kind of selling stuff like what was the where was the joy for you what did you most enjoy was it when you're on stage doing your own thing or uh, yes absolutely I love performing Mm. um I've always loved performing I mean I've I've been predominantly a dancer Mm. I love to sing I love I mean that's the best thing about idol it's all the all the like aspects of performance come together so you're acting on stage you're singing on stage you're dancing on stage you're doing all of it Mm. so that was um that was really it for me. I love performing on stage and um at first I was so nervous because there are obviously there's loads of people in the crowd and if you're performing at a Taiban then they're not all your fans, they're fans of other groups and you have to somehow uh-huh. make them see, you know, your own charms so maybe they'll leave their group and then join your group. So like you have to go to these events and try and steal other groups fans. 
So I was really nervous to begin with, but then when I was more comfortable on stage, when I was more confident in my abilities, I was kind of able to, you know, try and make connections while I was on stage with these fans in the audience, and that's really fun too. Hmm. Can I, can I ask possibly a dumb question? I'm not. Of course, there are no I'm, dumb I'm, questions. <laughs> so, what is the difference between an idol group and, say, a band? Or a singer in general. So I would say that a singer or a band they're selling their music, whereas an idol we're selling the image of ourselves. Okay, all right, that、and、makes a lot of sense. More than the actual music itself, because I mean, a lot of the times we don't write the music. Like, I mean, I write the lyrics, but I don't really write very many of the songs themselves. Like, we're not trying to make people listen to the music. We're trying to make people like us and support us. And there seems to be a very much a, a interaction with the fans is a big part of the industry. Is that right? Massive, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, obviously, I mean, any artist, we'd be nowhere without our fans, and us particularly because instead of you know wanting to buy our CDs because they really like the songs, I mean, I hope that the fans like the songs as well, but like they want to support us directly. So they'll come to see us. They'll take photos together with us or just of us. I feel like um. It's definitely a big, a bigger. I don't want to say bigger, because but like <laughs> it's a, it's a really like strong connection between us and the fans because they want to support us directly, and not just because they like our music, but because they like us personally, or they think that we're pretty or that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, it can be a little bit superficial at times, but yeah, there's a really big connection with the idol fans and、um, the idols themselves, which is probably why idol fans can be insane sometimes. Yes, I've seen plenty of horror stories online and all that sort of thing. So yeah, they can be unhinged. <laughs> well, so、uh, you you are going to be leaving Japan, is that right? Yes,、uh, hopefully within the next couple of months. Are you going to continue your your work that you did here in Japan, or can you? Oh no, you? no, I'm done. I'm completely done. I had、um, so when a.、Uh, Idol leaves their group. It's called a graduation. So I graduated from the industry altogether now. So,、um, so now I'm completely done with the industry、um, altogether.、Um, I don't. I mean, there will be no opportunities for me to do anything like that kind of area of work when I go back to the UK. So I mean, also I'm kind of at peace with it. I had my final cost.、Uh, my final concert. I had.、Um, I'm quite content with how the final concert went. There are like a, a couple of songs that I wish I'd done. Or like some things that I wish I'd done better, but yeah, I won't be doing anything. I mean, I never say never, but I don't think I'll be doing anything again. Yeah, that's. A, I I wanted to ask you, Alice, when you were talking about Idol there. I mean, it is very much specifically a, a Japanese thing, right? I mean, you just don't see this sort of cultural phenomenon in other countries, do you? No, I mean, in terms of like. Idol itself, I mean, obviously, there's a massive idol scene in Korea. There's a big one in Thailand, like、okay. um, Taiwan, China. But then also, I mean, if you look at like the fan base of like One Direction, it's not that much different.、Mm. One Direction being fans. Oh Jesus! Oh, yeah. popular, a very, a very <laughs> popular a, musical band. Oh my God! I'm joking. There's an Irish guy in One Direction. Oh my God! There is an Irish yeah, guy. Yeah, I was just about to say,、I、Oh my、know. God! His name was. Mike or Timmy or something.、Uh, no, no.、Oh, I think it's Liam. <laughs> Liam. Okay. Rory. I think it's Liam. I'm not sure. Don't 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 quote me on that. I'm not. I only know the name of the hot one. Yeah. Who's the hot one? Then. <laughs> okay. <laughs>、uh, no, maybe we're going a little bit backwards、uh, here, but 
yeah, you're you're from Santa Lucia originally, and you moved to the yeah. UK. Um, yeah. And I just want to ask you about, you know, cultural interactions living in Tokyo for eight years. Um, did you find a, a group of expats to be friends with or did you find a kind of you fit into life in Tokyo very well? How, how was your lifestyle, generally speaking? Just by being an immigrant in Tokyo, you already have a community. Hmm. So I think it's actually quite um, easy to make friends when you're already an outsider because you find another group of outsiders. Mm -hmm. So when I first moved here, I was really into Japanese fashion. So I found a bunch of other immigrants who like Japanese fashion. And I'm still friends with most of them now. Um, it, I, mm, I don't enjoy being the odd one out, honestly. So I do have some problems living in Tokyo because I'm very, very visually a minority, mm -hmm. which... Um, I've kind of always been used to because uh, being mixed race living in St. Lucia, I was the lightest. Uh, I was always the lightest skinned in the room. So I was always a little bit on the outside because of that. And then when I moved to the UK, I was mixed race in the middle of nowhere in the UK. So mm -hmm. again, I was kind of on the outside because there was not very much diversity in the school that I went to. Mm -hmm. But you know, I mean, I never felt, I never felt like an outsider in the UK specifically because of my race, but probably just because I was weird but like um <laughs> but like it was a problem in, like every time i went back to st lucia and everyone's like oh my god you're you're so white oh you talk you talk white I'm, i live in the uk leave me alone so i was kind of used to it so then when i came to japan i don't like the stares i don't like being stared at i really don't enjoy it. i can't i find it difficult to calm down if i can't see other foreigners in the area i really don't like being the odd one out um, that kind of also spilled over to when I was in idol groups because, you know, we'd be the only foreigners at this entire event. And it just makes me feel really, really, really awkward and uncomfortable. But I made a really good group of friends over here. I've always had a really good support network. So my like Japanese fashion friends, and now I have friends who um, I met in the idol industry. So we have, I think it's really good. It's easy to make a community when you immigrate to a different country because you've already got a group there just by being foreign mm. and then if you can find people who have the same interests as you inside that community then you've got a family yeah yeah that's really oh, interesting yeah. you know i mean we're alts so you know we're kind Sorry of yeah you know, we're, we're the kind of the the <laughs> i was think trying to think desperately of saying something different and i couldn't and you said it very correctly but yeah there there is like you know if you go on online forums and such you know you'll see well you know i didn't learn any japanese because all i did was hang out with my foreign friends and it's so easy mm. to just glom on to you know your fellow foreigner i, I know i do it from time to time uh but um you know what? I have actually lost my whole train of thought. Anyways, well, David, what, what was your question? My, I, that's you've brought me right to where we wanted to be, Kaz, because uh, I saw Alice on NHK the other day, just spitting out perfectly fluent Japanese. Um, huh. She's lived in Japan for eight years, right, Alice? Yes. Yes, and so have I. But my Japanese is not quite as good as yours. Uh, why am I on NHK explaining stuff about Japanese culture in perfectly fluent Japanese? Because you don't know much about Japanese yeah, culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how did you get to that level? Did you have some Japanese before you came here or was it all uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be terrifying to move to a country with zero knowledge of the language whatsoever. So I studied before I even got on the plane. Hmm. Um, I... I mean, I have, I've never taught English before, so I've always been working in uh, places where I've literally been the only foreigner, which is uh, 
horrific considering that I just said that I hate being the odd one out. But yeah, I've always worked in literally like 99% Japanese um, situations. So I've generally been the only foreigner at all of my workplaces. So you have to be able to speak Japanese. Otherwise, you're not going to get past the interview. Also, I pick up languages pretty quickly. I think it's just um, probably my only natural talent. Like, I just kind of pick them up quickly. I've never really had any problems learning them. So I passed the JLPT N1 um, last oh, summer amazing. just because... Um, I knew that I was leaving the country and I wanted something like tangible to show for the years I've lived. <laughs> right. But I mean, I can totally understand how you'd pick up the language uh, to speak it, to listen and to speak and communicate uh, because you're living in a place like Tokyo. And if you have a talent for that sort of thing. But where do you find the time to study? What with being an idol and a, a dancer and a maid and so on? Like the N1, it's no joke. Like, do you, do you yeah, have a regimented? Yeah, I studied really hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just studied every day after work. Um... So when I was studying for the N1, I was working at a maid cafe in Akihabara. And there's a really, um, I say really nice cafe, it's literally an Excelsior cafe. But because I'm tall, finding cafes to study in is really bad for my back because all these like the chairs and the tables are made for Japanese height. So if I'm trying to study, I'm hunched over this desk, and I'm giving myself major back pain. So the Excelsior cafe outside Akihabara station, um, they have like a like a counter seat. So it's a lot higher. So I used to study there like maybe one or two hours after work. Um, I'd bring my textbooks to work with me and I'd like show the customers and they'd go through it with me because a lot of the knowledge for the JLPT N1, like even Japanese people are like, yeah, what right, is right. this? I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to stop you while I Google Maid Cafe and Akihabara. Just a moment, please. Uh, <laughs> please, no, oh, please right, save right. me. Oh, okay, I'm with you now. <laughs> no but i i understand like i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna try and do n2 this year and it's like a, hu a huge leap up from you know n3 which has an, an awful lot of kanji and some pretty wicked oh, grammar really? as well yeah just uh you know i, I do like studying which obviously helps hmm. but living in a small town in hokkaido it's not like i can walk down the street and pick up things at random you know it does take a real concerted effort um to do yeah. that yeah like i um the first exam i took was n2 so I, um, a lot of people have said that there's like a massive gap between like the N3 and the N2, but um, I went to um, school, yeah. not a Japanese school, I went to makeup school for Japanese people. So I had to take uh, the N2 to be able to get into the school. So <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I kind of, that's kind of where I started with that. But I mean, I just got like Kanzen Master from Amazon and just learned it all from there. Yeah, I, I spend more time buying books on Amazon than actually reading them or using them to study. No. You know, I, I'm terrible for that. No, bad. But when uh, when you were talking about uh, your initial time in in Tokyo, it reminded me of my um, my own study. You know, because I'm here long term. I got married last year, and I'm going to stay in Japan. Oh. Um, but I've always known I've known for a long time that I'm going to stay in Japan. So I always put off the study and, you know, and I always put off the actual taking of the test, even though I'm mm. pretty sure I could do N3. But um, yeah, I want to try N2 maybe July, I think July or December. I haven't decided yet. If you choose July, then you have to force yourself to study for it. So maybe that'll be better. True, true. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, Corona, it's dangerous. I can't do it. No, I'll put it off. <laughs> that's quitter's talk come on let's go <laughs> i can pass the in four test online the the little example one i'm doing uh, well that's good, good job, <laughs> i mean i think it's difficult especially when you have a full-time job to find um the time to study and also if you feel like you don't need the knowledge 
Because, I mean, a lot of the stuff that comes up in the exam, it's not everyday Japanese. Like, the stuff I was learning for N1, I will never use it again, honestly. Like, these, um, the grammar patterns and, like, some of the phrases that I had to learn for the exam, they're not used in Japanese unless you're listening to a politician talk or if you're listening right. to, like, a scientist talk. Reading you're not going to need it. Newspaper or something like that, yeah. So, uh, you know, if you are looking for um, to study Japanese just to live here, I mean, honestly, like, I don't think that the JLPT knowledge is even something that you need just for everyday stuff, you know? Like, you need to know how to talk to people on the street. You need to know how to read stuff so, you know, you don't cause problems. But you, do you need to know these really complex grammar, um, like, things? You really do not. So, I mean, the JLPT, I mean, I took it specifically because I wanted to see exactly where I was and also because I wanted something to show for all my years in Japan because everything I've done over here as I've been doing performance pretty much the whole time and a lot of the stuff that I did it's not recorded or I don't have the rights to the footage mm. so I don't really have much to show for all of the different stuff that I've done here so I just wanted something tangible yeah. but I mean if you don't need that then you don't need it <laughs> well that, you've answered my next question Alice because I, I wanted to ask oh, you sorry. <laughs> how, no how do you feel about uh, now achieving N1 and going back to the UK I mean are you going to keep studying Japanese or quickly uh so will you ever come back maybe i mean i don't know because i mean when i moved back from japan the first time after living here for a year i was like i don't like japan like then i lived in the uk and i was like you know actually i liked japan a lot so who knows this time but i do feel that um my age definitely comes into play here because I've been living in Japan basically the entirety of my, I won't say my youth, but like, you know, my early adult years. I moved here at 18 and I'm 28 now. And I have been making money by being um, attractive, basically. So um, so I've, I was a dancer. Um, I did TV. I was an idol. I did make cafe. I was a hostess. Like all of this stuff is stuff that you can only do when you are young and attractive if you want to make money at it. So... Um, some of the things that I thought when I moved back to England the first time, there were jobs that I still wanted to do that you could only do in Japan. Mm -hmm. And there was money that I could make a lot easier by being young, attractive and foreign in Japan. So now I'm moving back. I'm moving back at the end of my 20s. And there is absolutely a sell-by date for um, people in the industry that I've been working in. So I don't know if I will want to come back because I know that that option isn't there for me anymore. Because now it's time for me to actually think about a career, like a sustainable and stable career. Because when the pandemic hit, my industry was the first one to go under. Like I mm -hmm. lost all of my income for about half a year. And there's no, um, there was no like help in place for people who are working in the entertainment industry, especially because most of it is um, invoice based. So you're not mm -hmm. getting a salary. So when I lost uh, all of my work, basically, and I tried to apply for financial aid, um, it's very difficult to prove that I lost this income due to the pandemic because my income every month was fluctuating so crazily because if I, ha I might have six jobs one month, but zero jobs the next month. You know, it's always like that. So when I move back to the UK this time, am I going to think, oh, I want to go back to Japan because the money was better? Because it won't be better because I don't, I don't have um, the industry anymore. Like, uh, oh, I want to go back to Japan and be a hostess. The money was so much better. Is it going to be better for me when I'm in my 30s? Absolutely not. No. So I'll never say never. Maybe I will come back in the future. But there is nothing for me here career-wise. And then there's also nothing for me here in terms of, is there a job that I haven't done yet that I want to do in Japan? 
I mean, I've been a maid, I've been an idol, I did all of the stuff that I really wanted to do that you can only do in Japan. Like, what is there left, honestly? So, Apart from being an ALT. Well, well <laughs> join the club. Ouch, We're waiting ouch. for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what, was your age the reason why you're choosing to stop? Or what was there? Maybe I missed it. What was your reasoning to stop all this? I mean, the pandemic uh, ruined my hostessing and dancing career, basically. I mean, the main reason, honestly, that I considered very heavily moving back to the UK is basically because I don't know if I can afford to support my lifestyle here anymore because I'm kind of used to uh, hostess wages. I'm not getting those hostess wages anymore. I work at a hotel now. It's, it's, it's the ghetto. So, um, <laughs> And also the fact that I've been making money by being young, pretty, and different, basically. Because so many auditions I'll go to and I'll be the only foreigner there. And that really works in my favor because already the, you know, the, the judges have remembered me because I'm the only one there. So the only way that I really managed to make such a good living in Japan was based on that. So do I want to rely on that forever when obviously um, how attractive people find me is obviously going to uh, change and fluctuate over the years? It's absolutely time for me to start a career um, like when I was hostessing, there would be, I don't know how many hostess clubs you guys have been to, but there's, um, there's always one, or in my, there were quite a few, <laughs> who came to Japan probably in their early 20s, and they were, they were put on a pedestal because they're young and they're white and they're pretty and they're so skinny and they have blue eyes and their noses are so tall, and they lived off of that until it was too late, and mm. now they don't have any skills, they don't have any transferable skills. They don't have a career. They thought they were going to get married to a rich man, but they didn't. And now they're stuck in this hostess club. And that's terrifying for me. Like, wow. there comes a point where you have to draw a line underneath it. I understand that the money in hostess clubs is great. I understand the money for dancing is great. The glitz and glamour of the entertainment industry is super fun. But you can't rely on that, especially as a female, because the, the sell-by date for girls is so much younger than for males. Like, mm. you will be, like... The, the, your use like kind of dwindles out if you get what I mean so there comes a time when you need to cut your losses and be like it's time for me to focus on a career for the future because I can't live off of this yeah. industry forever so I was planning on retiring at 28 anyway <laughs> so um but then when I was like well do I want to have a career in Japan wages over here are um the pits so <laughs> yes um so that was that was the main reason. The main reason is my future and my career. I don't have a future in Japan, and I know that. I came here to make money while I was young, doing the stuff that I love, and I've done it. I can draw a line underneath that. I can say that I did all the stuff that I wanted to do, and I would prefer to leave the industry on my own terms rather than have my jobs dwindle out and all of a sudden just lose like relevance. Like I feel like that would just be very sad. So that's the main reason. It's the second reason, oh, which sorry. I haven't... Um, <laughs> sorry, <Go> ahead, <laughs> I'm talking way too much. No, please, yeah, the second please. reason. Um, uh, I haven't really spoken about this um, outwardly because I don't think it's that interesting. But um, I used to live in a house in the UK and my mother got remarried and she moved out of that house with her husband. And the house is there. And because we've been living in that house since we moved to the UK, the rent is incredibly cheap because of the, the cap on the rent. They're not allowed to put up the rent drastically while people are living there on the same, you know, lease. So if I move to the UK this year, I can move straight into that house. And how would I be able to have a house like that in Tokyo, you know? Like, how would I be able to have a house with a garden and I can have dogs? I can, you know, I can grow fruits and make jam and stuff. Like, it sounds impossible because, I mean, if I maybe moved out to the Yanaka, but, like... 
uh, it's no. not really for me. No, so you, w- you wouldn't have it out here reason. either. Yeah. yeah. It's very well said, Alice. Um, and I think definitely a lot of the, the points you made could be transferable and would be well. Some ALTs would do well to listen to you as well, because, you know, I think you can get quite comfortable in your ENAC or wherever it is, you know, doing your ALT job um, because mm-hmm. it's, it is slightly better paid than a local maybe working in a in an office or a or a mm. convenience store for example but uh you know when the alt industry eventually goes kaput you know there oh, might, might be a lot of people with some problems or decisions to make um mm. but yeah if you're looking for someone to replace you in your current line of work i think kaz is thinking of changing industries right kaz Oh, really? Do you want to be an idol? Uh, y- yes. Uh, You're done. N- n- uh, <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great industry. Well, I mean, d- you had a good time, yeah. All together, if I um, there were some horrible times, uh, especially when I was with the agency, because that was an absolute nightmare, and I'm still dealing with the aftermath of that. All together, now I finished it. All I can remember are the good parts. Like I made some great connections. I had a really good time on stage. I made some incredibly nice fans who honestly have my back to this day. Together, it was great. Like my um, entertainment career in this country, like when I was a dancer, a lot of my fans who liked me when I was a dancer, they came and started supporting me when I was an idol. And then fans that I made when I was an idol, they came and started supporting me at the Make Cafe. And people who I met at the Make Cafe, they started supporting me as an idol. Like, you know, it's really, really, I had a really good time. I made some great connections. And, you know, I'm ready to move on. So, I mean, if you want to go into the industry, absolutely, like I recommend it. <laughs> so, first question, um, what are you going to do when you go back to the UK? I'm going to help my mum with her accountancy practice. And um, I would like to get dogs, basically. Um, I would like to live in a house and have dogs and maybe ferrets. Um, I would love to have a beehive, but I live... Um, I live too close to a, a primary school, so I probably won't be able to do that. But I would like to make jam. Um, I would like to live out my cottage fantasies and basically, uh, I don't know, be like a housewife or whatever. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, my mom needs me to help her with her. Um, my mom's an accountant and she was working for an accountancy practice. And then she just like uh, siphoned off all their clients and now she opened her own accountancy practice. So I'm going to be helping she's her. She's got a rude awakening uh waiting for alice you're gonna get there and open your own practice and steal all our clients that's my, I know, my it's prediction karma, right <laughs> <laughs> it's bound to happen no but you clearly uh from when you were talking about uh your experience with the the agency and then setting up your own idol just like oh this is terrible i'm gonna do it myself you clearly have a lot of transferable skills i mean you're not nervous are you about going back and starting again i absolutely am um mostly just because i mean you know we talked about when you move to a different country um how it is i feel like it's easy to make a community because you already have a ready set up community for you but how do you make friends in your home country Mm. that's the main thing i'm worried about i'm really worried about making friends i'm really worried because um i've never really uh worked a nine-to-five in an office um basically ever i've always been working like pretty much the entire time i've been in japan i've been working in entertainment so I'm really worried about that. Um, I don't know if I can sit down in an office and just work at a computer. I mean, I'm going to have to because I already promised I would. But I don't, I'm a little bit worried about that. And, you know, I am worried about starting over from scratch because I left the UK when I was 18. Right. I was a child. So, like, 
I know all. I know how to be an adult in Japan, but I don't know how to be an adult in the UK. Like, I don't know how to open a bank account because my mum did it for me. I don't know how to take out a contract on a phone. I don't know how to pay my bills. All these things that are very obvious knowledge, but and I don't know it at my big age because I wasn't there. I've I haven't been there. I've never lived in the UK as an adult before, so I am very scared about that. And I'm embarrassed as well to ask my mom, like, don't worry, you know, don't worry. Do, how do I do this? How do I do that? Because I'm, I'm a big adult now. I, but I know how to do it in Japan. Yeah, but if you know it, how to do it, how to do it in Japan, you can do it anywhere. Like, I mean, the bureaucracy here is insane. Right? <laughs> if you can, That's like, true. if yeah, if you can buy a stamp in Japan, you can do anything anywhere. I'm sure. <laughs> People send letters. Sorry, I'm a millennial. Millennial. <laughs> Out, <laughs> David. Right. What? Did <laughs> nothing. I miss nothing again. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you sure didn't. Um... But Alice, you're uh, uh, some one of our listeners uh, described uh, me and Kaz recently as a cultural chameleon, you know, and I, I don't didn't really get it because you know I'm just a white guy from Ireland who happens to live in Japan, <laughs> but you know you're from Saint Lucia and um, you grew up in the UK and you spent a long like what almost a third of your life has been in Japan, like Actually, an ex- a quarter exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I think. Do you, well, do you feel like more Japanese or do you feel British or do you feel Caribbean? You know, where's your I, identity? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. Honestly, I've been having identity issues since <laughs> I was a teenager. So I definitely don't feel Japanese. Um, I don't feel like I fit in in this country. I don't feel like I'm one of the community in this country. Mm. I have my own little community inside the country. But do I feel like I fit in in Japanese society? Absolutely not. But then do I feel like I fit in in the UK? slightly better just because recently the area that I used to live I used to live in is incredibly culturally diverse now when I first moved over there less so but now it's easier for me to blend in in a crowd so I always because um I was moved to the UK against my will when I was a when I was a child I didn't want to go but my mother forced me and my brother to go so I spent the whole time wanting to go home to St. Lucia I wanted to go back I felt like I didn't fit in in the UK but then I spent so long in the UK that when I did go back to St. Lucia I felt like I was an outsider in St. Lucia Mm -hmm. and I didn't speak Creole that well anymore and uh, my skin lightened out a lot just by the lack of vitamin D and like Mm -hmm. the lack of sunshine in the UK (laughs) so I was even lighter than I was before so I've been going through this like identity crisis since then. I was like, do I belong in St. Lucia? Do I belong in the UK? Where do I belong? Where's my home? And so now I'm living in Japan. I'm like, aha, I'm unwelcome everywhere. So I'm like, you know, is is it is what it is. I don't feel like I belong here, but I don't feel like I belong anywhere at this point in time. But I do think that England is the easiest for me to blend in just because there's so many people that look so different yeah. that I can blend in. I'm not like the obvious outsider. And until we start actually talking and you can tell that I'm like weird. So <laughs> yeah, I guess the UK, I guess, yeah. I suppose. If I was going to pick a country to grow old in, probably the UK. I think that's part of um, what you learn when you when you go to live somewhere else, that you have that choice, you know, and you don't, you're not wedded to one country. You don't, you don't have to live there, even if it's where you, you're happiest now. Um, mm. It's good to know that you can blend into another culture, uh, adopt another city, and, and it gives you a certain freedom, I think. Um, Absolutely. I would. I like to feel invisible. I would like to blend in. I, I've, I see a lot of uh, foreigners on Twitter who seem like they really love being like the only guardian in the village, but that's mm. not me. <laughs> I don't want to be that. But yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act, isn't it? I mean, um, I do in some ways like the, not privilege, but just sort of 
mm, sometimes I like the specialness of it, but then most mm. other times I just like, oh, stop looking at me. You know, I just want to. Yes, please wanna, leave like, me alone. I'm just trying apples. to buy bread. <laughs> it's just, it's just the, for me, when I was the only uh, foreigner in, in, you know, like a 50 kilometer radius, mm-hmm. uh, my problem was if I do something embarrassing, everyone knows. And they remember as well. And they remember and they do not forget. Oh, yikes. No, I totally understand that. I mean, like, I grew up in a small, in a, I mean, something's just tiny. So, like, if you do something, then, like, everybody knows about it within, like, an hour, which is bad as a child. Because if I, like, did something bad, then someone would tell my mom. Abs- someone would absolutely tell my mom when I get beaten when I go home. <laughs> she would be waiting with the wooden spoon. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not that deep. No, no, Kaz, no, no, no. Kaz prefers to lob uh, Mikan oranges at your head. That's what he does to me when he gets angry. Oh, that's, I mean, can you eat it afterwards? Like, oh, I couldn't, it's very healthy. not the way he throws them. Yeah, a little bit of context for you. Uh, we were all having a good time partying and drinking heavily, and I, for whatever reason, took the Mekon and just whipped it at David, and it hit the wall, oh my gosh. And, uh, and he got a little mad at me, and we uh-huh. became great friends afterwards. We did, you know, I mean, it strengthened your relationship. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you going to miss? What are you going to miss about Japan? Your clothes. Oh, the clothes, yeah. the good yeah, sense I'm of gonna, fashion. Yeah. I, I, am, gonna... am I weird for saying this? Like almost every age level here in Japan knows how to dress well. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. They know how to shave as well. Like, I don't know have you got, if you go back to the UK, you're going to see a lot of beards, Alice. I mean, just yeah, unkempt, that's gonna be shagginess. <laughs> that's going to be quite jarring to see men who uh, don't take care of themselves. Like, like. As not having a beard isn't like not taking care of yourself, but I feel like the levels of grooming standards mm. here in the UK are like completely different. So that's gonna be a shock. Um, I'm not. Go- I'm gonna miss uh, being able to go out in heels and not having someone ask if I'm going to a party. Oh. That's gonna be annoying because uh, the UK they're like, oh, why are you dressed up? Why are you wearing heels? Like, because I want to stunt on all of you, idiot. Um, <laughs> I am gonna miss uh twenty four hour shops. Uh nothing like that where I'm where I am in the UK. I'm gonna miss my friends most first and foremost because I have such a good friend group over here and I'm gonna miss them so much. And also I'm gonna miss being able to go and see idols. Um, because they don't really come to they've never come to England. I don't think they've ever come to England, even once. Um so, I mean, you said, am I going to come back to Japan? When my favorite girl decides that she's going to graduate from her group, I am going to book the first plane ticket over here because I need to be there. I'm going to miss being able to go and see my favorite group's concerts and buy their goods. Like, I have a little shrine actually right next to my computer that I'm looking at right now of, like, all these pictures of, like, my favorite girl. What? <laughs> uh, I'm going to miss uh, easily available um, Asian food because um, I live in a uh, very... Um, immigrant hot place like there are very 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 many immigrants where I live so that means that the food is banging there is a Myanmar restaurant across the road from my house there's Thai there's Vietnamese there's Nepal there's Indian like there's so much stuff it's like you know really 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 easily like readily available like different restaurants I'm gonna miss that a lot because I don't really eat Japanese food but I do eat a lot of um, Thai food I was talking to I was talking to somebody who was like we both live in Japan we're gonna go to Tokyo and you know, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to, like, this uh, kebab place, and we're going to go to this Indian mm. food place, and all this sort of stuff. And my friend who does not live in Japan goes, well, why, wouldn't, why would you go to Tokyo to eat foreign food? 
It's the only place you can get it. It is. Like, the community, I mean, I is is great that you can have so much in one place. And also, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say the Japanese food is bad, but like, I like spice. Oh, yeah. And I like overlapping flavors. Like in Thai food, you have like all these different flavors in one. I'm not really. Oh, Thai um, is the best. I yeah. Love it. So, yeah, I'm absolutely going to miss that because where else can you like, it's a big city. Living in Tokyo is great. There's so much available. Except yeah. for, you know, uh, cheap fruit. That's not available. Anywhere here. <laughs> Five thousand oh, yen mango. for a mango. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to Australia, Alice. I lived in Melbourne for a year, and actually, it was, uh-huh. I, I was thirty when I moved there, and it was the first time uh-huh. in my life I'd actually eaten a mango because I'm from Ireland. Yeah, and oh my God, you bought a private uh, right, right. <laughs> and it was just insane, and I went nuts for these things. I was having two or three mm. every day. My skin turned oh, yeah. yellow. It was it was <laughs> glorious, um, but yeah. It was glorious. Um, you get them cheap in Australia, but not in Japan. Is it? I mean, I'm from the Caribbean, so we oh. had a mango tree in the garden. Oh. But um, and lime tree. I uh, I'm I miss fruit. That's one thing I'm looking forward to for moving to the UK because fruit is cheap, and you can just buy like a whole mango. I cannot wait. Or for that matter, a lime. I haven't seen a lime here in ye- ever. Have I ever seen? Yeah, a so lime? expensive. Yeah. And they only sell that like they sell lemons in big packs, and lemons are really cheap. But limes, they sell them one lime at a time. I can only speak yeah. for the supermarkets I've been to, and it's like two hundred yen for like one singular lime. And it's not even a big lime. It's not even a big lime. It's the ghetto, honestly. It really is. I'm having a bad time because like I like to cook. I cook at home predominantly, and uh, the other day I made coconut and lime curry. And, bro, that lime, like, I had to take out a loan to get a lime. Oh, my. <laughs> Selling a kidney to get a lime. Well, if I could attempt to one-up your mango tree story, uh, Alice, I, when I was in Australia, I had a lime tree on the balcony. Um, huh. But uh, it never fruited, unfortunately. Aww. <laughs> it's upsetting. Like, my mom used to make lime juice for me and my brother every day um, from the limes in the garden. But, like, now looking back on it, like... Damn, she really used to make lime juice every day. Like, I should thank her. I should message her right now and say thank you. So you had mango trees, lime trees. Yeah, we also had a goat because um we needed the goat to eat, like, the grass because we had a really big garden with lots of different fruit trees in it. And then we curried the goat, which is very Caribbean of us. His name was Boots. <laughs> That's a good name for a goat. <laughs> yeah, 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 his feet were white, so we called him Boots. Cute. <laughs> He was a, he, yeah, he, I don't like goat curry, so I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it, but like my family oh, did. Oh, you, oh, you ate the goat, you curried the oh, goat. Oh yeah, we ate the goat, oh, yeah, we curried, curried him, yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, <laughs> we yeah. did that. Uh, yeah, we curried him. Uh, so what was that, that curry called, Boots Curry? Yeah, no, it was just, it was curry goat. Curry goat. <laughs> curry goat. It's Caribbean culture. I want to go to San Lucia now. Please come. You know, I mean, not right now, obviously. Like. Yeah pandemic and all but yeah like i mean our main um industry is tourism so uh sure. um please go and put money into uh my island and by that i mean don't go to a all-inclusive resort and spend loads of money there and then when you go on your one excursion to the town center try and haggle with the shopkeepers because they are my most hated demographic of people i can't imagine why in any mm. uh any other secret uh tips about santa uh lucia uh, i didn't say that um, right how did i, how no. did I say it <laughs> Uh, if you want to say it in Spanish, it is Santa Lucia, but we don't speak Spanish. So it's St. Lucia, or we call it St. Lucie. Okay. People call it St. Lucia. I mean, we're pretty much okay with it. But yeah, so um, 
What else is there? Uh, Friday night Grozelay. I don't know if that's still a thing. There's like a party, street party in Grozelay like every Friday night. Probably not right now, obviously. But like Grozelay used to do Friday night. Um, like they'd have like chicken party, and then down south in not really south, like a little bit further south in Ancillary, they would have Fish Friday. But I wouldn't go to Ancillary because every time there's a Mad Axe murder, they're always from there. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Also, don't go there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying don't go to Ancillary altogether, but like, there, maybe there are other places to go. This is a Jap- this is a Japan cop podcast, and we're talking about the Caribbean. But yeah, That's I mean, totally big up cool. St. Lucia, yay, well, Helen of the West. Uh, what 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 other podcast could you hear this stuff on? You know, we're here about the world. Right. It just happens that Japan's I mean, at the heart. There are three St. Lucians in Tokyo, including me, and you've met them all. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, you got they, bingo. my my mom knows my mom. <laughs> ah. uh, actually, one of them, um, just by saying his last name, I knew his whole family. Oh wow, that must have been crazy. I was like, wait a second, is your dad? He was like, yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> no, it wasn't his dad. It was his uncle. I was like, wait, is is that your uncle? He was like, yeah. See, but, um, have, we don't I, even have an embassy here, so yeah, I know that kind of experience. Being from Ireland, we have a very similar phenomenon pretty much everywhere you go in the world. You mm-hmm. can find some kind of connection, but. How how many people are on Saint Lucia? Uh, I think Nanajuman. Uh, Nanajuman, yeah, seven hundred thousand about. No, wait, I think it's I think it's like Juhachiman or something like that. So I'm just actually going to Google it now because I don't want to give uh, wrong information on a podcast that's listened to by people once that's sent. And everybody knows that our podcast is a hundred percent factual all, all the time. time, all the time, all the time. Once that's Saint Lucia population, just because I feel like it's like Ju something. Oh, you're right, Juhachiman. Perfect. Was it Juhachiman? Yes, very I was good, right on the good. second one. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> 183,000 population of Saint Lucia. Yeah, off the we top of my head. We had, I think, head. seven people in the um in the Olympics last year. What's well, cool flag as well? Thank you. I think it's the coolest flag ever, actually. Yeah, nice color. I like that. Very pretty. My favorite color, in fact, light blue. Light blue was my color when I was in the idol group. We all have uh, member colors, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Did, now you do. Did, did not know that. Okay, so in an idol group, you'll have your member colors. And um, you know the um, like the pen lights, the light sticks? The fans will hold them in the color of the girl that they like. Oh! <laughs> so you can tell how many fans you have in the in the crowd because they have your color pen light. Okay. It's a big ego boost for me when I go out and it's just blue. <laughs> oh, hey, here's a question because I've never been to one of these things before. They got the light sticks, but I see the crowd from time to time do like this choreographed like hand movement thing. Do you teach them that? Uh, I don't really know which one you're talking about. So like um, they can be copying the actual dance that you're doing on stage and they'll just memorize it and then do it back to you. Um, it's like some of them can come up with um dances, and also you know that sometimes they do like calls. They can come up with that in the fan community by themselves. So when they come to the live and they do it, like even the girls are like, "What is going on? This is this is great though." <laughs> like um, it can be like one of the two. But I mean, I had um, there are a couple of um, a couple of concerts that we went to where I like fans that I'd literally never seen before were just like dancing our choreography choreography back to us. Like, where did you learn this? Why do you know it? <laughs> uh, I, it was really simple choreography, but I'm like, why Why do you know this? Well, that's, uh, I, I guess that's very flattering, isn't it? Super flattering, yeah. Like, I would always like, try and hype them up as well. Like, when I'm on stage, like, make big eye contact with them and be like, yeah, let's go! 
Yeah. That's exactly what I would want if I had learned to dance. I should learn to dance. It's even better when I've choreographed it myself because I'm like, damn, they like this. They like the stuff I made. So, uh, yeah, if you want to find any of our videos on YouTube and learn the dances and like send it to me, like I think it would be really good. Well, uh, let's go. Uh, let's go. So, um, <laughs> this is a this is a nice segue. Um, to tell me, do you have social media? Do you have an online presence? Uh, so I have Instagram and I have Twitter. Uh, I am infinitely louder on Twitter. I think I use Twitter more than I use Instagram. Um, they're both pretty much the same handle. Uh, my Instagram is underscore Xiopang, and then my um, Twitter is underscore Xiopang, but the I is a one instead of an I. The meaning to change that back. Um, <laughs> so I used to use Instagram a lot. Like when I was dancing at a place called Coyote Ugly, they started this thing where we would get a pay increase depending on how many followers we have. Oh, wow. But uh, now I do not care about it. So I just put up like a million stories a day, but I never upload any photos. Well, that's that's okay. Uh, as it's active, I think that's important. It is active. I mean, like every day on my stories, I'm like, I'm some dumb, day. yay! And it's nice though, because um, I have like eight thousand followers on Instagram and then eight thousand followers on Twitter. So if I like type "Good morning," then I have loads of people replying "Good morning" back, and it's just so nice. Yeah, I must. I mean, I, I have yet to experience that, but I look forward to the day that I do. Do you ever try to type good morning to people? <laughs> like, maybe you just haven't tried it. Uh, maybe I just can't bear to be awake in the morning, so it's a slog just to get out the door. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do understand that. I get it. I'm not a morning But, like, person. then you type, you little put a little tweet out going, itadakimasu, and then people are going to reply back saying, itadakimasu, and it just feels really nice. I'll try it. I will. I'll try it out one day. Um, and I'll reply just to, you know, solidarity. Solidarity. I like it. Well, um, it looks like uh, we have uh, come to a close for the evening. Okay. Um, David, do you no, have anything? No, I, I, it's just been a really educational experience uh, for me. Thank you so That's much, sweet. Alice. Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad. And uh, you're, you're so talented. I know you're going you're gonna to land on your feet back in the UK and have a great time. But I hope so. Thank yeah. you. Like, it's, a, it's, it's definitely going to be a massive change for what I'm used to. Well, I think you'll do well. I just want a real career with money again because I'm broke now. <laughs> I miss being rich. Oh, well. Hey, it was fun while it lasted, and you'll. It really was because I was I was going places. I was on trips. I was chilling. I could only hang out with other hostesses because the rest of my friends were English teachers and didn't have any money. So. Uh, we 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 don't know anything about that. <laughs> I I did want to ask you one more quick question, Alice. Is there anywhere yeah? in Japan you really wanted to visit that you never got to? Oh wow, Hokkaido. Oh Hokkaido, yeah, yeah. You were planning uh, a I trip earlier, weren't you? But you didn't yeah, make it. Yeah, so um. Uh, you know the JR Pass? They have one for people living in Tokyo now. Yeah. Not Tokyo, sorry. Specific, not, uh, sorry, people who live in Tokyo think that Japan is just Tokyo. I'm really sorry. I'm just a stereotype. Um, but yeah, they have a JR Pass that um, is for people who are residents. And I thought that it was the one that included Hokkaido, but it was not. It's just the one I'm um, Tohoku. Mm. So I went to Fukushima, Sendai, Aomori, and Yamagata, but it didn't cover the Hokkaido Shinkansen because I really wanted to go to Hakodate at least. Yeah, Hakodate is a good place, yeah. It's a fun place. And um, there was like an onsen around there that I wanted to go to. And there's also a uh, seal center. that I, I like seals, like, you know, the animal, yeah. um, the sea creature. 
I really, really, really wanted to go to the Tokkari Center in Hokkaido. So like, yeah, I wish that I could have gone to Hokkaido in the summer. But mm. this summer, I was broke as hell, so I couldn't. And then last summer, I was all about going to the beach, which I normally am. But yeah, so I wish I could have gone to Hokkaido, and I haven't. So maybe in the future, I would love to go if I have the chance. Everywhere else, though, I've been to pretty much everywhere I wanted to go. I didn't go to Shikoku, though. Shikoku, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't been there yet myself, either. Neither there have I. And mm. Okinawa. Yeah, never been I've there. been to Okinawa. I wanted to go to Miyakojima in Okinawa. I went to the main island and then I went to Ishigakijima, but I never went to Miyako. It's basically Taiwan. You could probably swim to Taiwan if you wanted to. <laughs> I can't swim though, so not me. Oh, well, that's maybe the next skill to pick up. No, I'm going to learn how to drive first. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's more important. That's more practical. Yeah, and that's, right the go. UK is a good place to do it because it's bloody expensive to learning to drive in Japan. I've heard, yeah. yeah. You get to get, it Insane. costs thousands. It's really bad. Does it actually? Well, I, I didn't have to do it myself, thankfully, but you have to pay for all the time that you're in the car, basically. You can't practice on your own like you can in the UK. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm going back to, like, when I'm bored at work recently, I'm, like, reading the highway code, like, just already, like, <laughs> trying to study. <laughs> Something tells me you'll pass it all right. I hope so. I've never sat in a car on... I've never even touched the, the, the wheel in my life. But, like, you know, you need to be able to drive if you're going to go to the UK because our public transport is... Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, that's another thing I'm going to miss from Japan. I'm going to miss right, public transport. Right. Of course. Uh, it's so you'll nice. You'll regret it. I probably will, yeah. Like, I want to go to Cornwall, which... Like, I'm from Bournemouth, which is along the south coast, and Cornwall is also on the south coast. You'd think you could just get a train there, but no, you have to either change at Reading or London and take like seven hours. Ooh, I don't want to go to Reading. Don't want to go to Reading. <laughs> I love myself. Oh, dear. Well, don't want to go to Reading. I think that's good enough as a. That's my a, contribution for today. <laughs> yeah, that's your contribution. <laughs> the rest is all others. Okay, well. Alice, thank you so very much uh, for Thanks coming so on to the show yeah. today. We very much appreciate it. Thank you it. for having me. No, very much appreciate also like helping out my Twitter dachi because we've been, you know, we follow each other on Twitter, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great. Uh, so thank you, Kaz. It's been another, it's been fun chatting with you. And thank you so much, Alice. It's been wonderful. Uh, thank you for coming thank to you. the Kyoto. Sorry Brothers I talked so fast. No, no, it's great. Uh, we well, David, can you slow down the recording? Uh, yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. Right? <laughs> because then I have a man voice. Stop. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that'll do it for today. Um, okay, okay, I'm gonna go to the gym then. Go to the gym. Gonna go pump some iron. Pump some iron. All right. Well, uh, you've been listening to the Kyodai Brothers to. See the show notes, uh, go to thekyodaibrothers.com. Uh, and if you want to listen to this episode or any other episode, uh, download us on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.